Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode brought to you by Share the Well. I talked to my good friend Biju Matthew, uh, who's been in the media business for uh, you know over two and a half decades. So I, I have some very interesting conversations coming up. Uh, some of his experiences, some of the things that he has seen, some of the things that he has experienced. So we're going to bring this in a two-week um, series um, where we, the first week is going to focus on um, Biju's uh, personal journey in this business. We talk of uh, various aspects of the business. I mean, I, I had very little time to quiz him around this. Maybe we'll bring him back for another episode uh, uh, sometime later, but it's it's an intriguing uh, business that he is part of and, and I get to hear his um, story uh, and um, take a listen uh, it's going to be interesting if you've not really been in the media business it'd be an eye-opening uh, uh, story for you to kind of listen into um, and I'll talk to you guys at the end of this episode so thank you Biju uh, for you know I want to thank you officially for coming on um, and as I as I told you that uh, I generally ask folks to just introduce themselves a little bit so I don't have to do the hard work on introducing people, you know, prior to the show. But, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, um, introduce yourself a little bit. So, you know, they, you know, at least the ones who are going to listen, at least understand who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. Don, thank you for having me on Share the Well. Uh, my name is Biju Matthew. I was... Uh, actually born in India, born in Kerala, but I emigrated here to the States with my parents when I was a year old. Grew up and raised in northern New Jersey, where I still live with my family. We live literally right outside of New York City. I'm married. Uh, my wife is a pharmacist. I have two sons. Uh, my oldest son is a college freshman. My youngest son is in seventh grade. I've worked probably for about the last 25 plus years. I've been working in the media business. In network news. Uh, I was actually, you know, uh, I parted ways with my former employer a couple of years ago, was unemployed during the pandemic, but recently uh, got a new job. So that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. Yeah, no, that's great. And I know, you know, the connection that um, Sunu, your wife has, and me is Bangalore and Baldwin's. Yes. <laughs> I was yes, in Baldwin yes, Boys. Yes. I know Sunu. Sunu was Sunu actually studied in Baldwin Girls, right? Because That's her correct. mom was there. Right. Exactly. And actually, my mother in law was principal during that time. Oh, wow. So imagine both my <laughs> wife and my sister in law were oh, students God. while their mother was principal. Uh, that's tough. That's really tough. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember having a senior of mine who's whose dad was the physical education PE teacher. Okay. And uh, what happened was, uh, I still remember um, a, an episode where this guy was the vice captain of our school. So he became okay. the vice captain of our school. Um, and, and he made a mistake during some of our like annual sports events. And he got whipped by his dad in front of the whole school. That's a, that's it's, humiliating. <laughs> that's that's something he probably still hasn't lived out after all these years. I you know, know, no, no. And uh, yeah, I forget the name of the of the PE guy. I know, I remember the name of my senior. His name was Anand. 
Wow. And, okay. Uh, yeah, a very lovely dude. You know, really, really class act. But he got whipped. We were shell shocked. You know, we were seeing a dad <laughs> whip his son right in front of the whole school. Wow. And he didn't utter a word. Neither did he move. He got whipped, and he went and kind of start. You know, redid what he was doing. He was basically instructed to do something during the right. sports event march past or whatever. Right. So it's crazy. So. Uh, lovely memories in Baldwin's for me. I was a oh, boarder. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So, media. Uh, w- what kind of uh, prompted you to join the media? You know, I was uh, I was a journalism major in college. I went to New York University, uh-huh. and so it it was something that interested in me. It interested me, and uh, you know, I did some internships and whatnot. And you know, after college, I actually got a job with one of the networks. I actually worked uh, as a PA runner for the Democratic Convention in 1992. That was when <laughs> Bill Clinton, when Bill Clinton was running. So I remember I was actually on the floor of Madison Square Garden when Bill Clinton accepted the nomination. Wow. So, yeah. So that was really something. And then actually later that summer, I actually went to work in Houston where George uh, Bush, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush accepted the Republican nomination. But I remember it was uh, it was really fascinating, actually, you know, just seeing the whole setup and what was involved in these kinds of huge conventions. But, yeah, no, I was uh, on the floor in the garden the night that Bill Clinton accepted his nomination. So that mm-hmm. was that was really something to witness, especially, you know, I was only uh, 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. So to witness something historical like that was was really something. Right. And. Media is such a powerful mechanism in the world, right? I mean, it. it I think it. It kind of creates a a level of reality for kind of the general public. It does. It does. I think you know what media has really evolved, right? Whether it's network news, uh, local news, newspapers, and obviously the internet has really changed many of that. Much of that. But in my experience, at least in network news, is that audiences and the viewers are very sophisticated. They know what they like. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. And so, at least in my dealing, when, when working and going out in the field and meeting people, you have to, tr- people are very aware of what's going on. They, if, if you work for a particular organization, they'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of that or I don't like that reporter, I don't like this person. And I don't think much has changed. I think people have their biases. But I think working, especially in network news from a young age, I I was very naive to many things. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up very sheltered. And then when you get thrown into such a, I guess it's almost like a shark tank. It's a a very, very cutthroat environment. You don't see that. Sometimes you're a little naive and you're not self-aware. But as you... excuse me, as you mature and grow in the industry, you realize the politics, the backstabbing, not to say there aren't good people. I work with many, many good people, but it's a rough, rough environment. In fact, many times I look back and said, you know what, if I could do it over again, I don't think I would have gone and worked in uh, network news. Mm-hmm. I think I would have probably ch- chosen a different path altogether because you really have to have a thick skin. It's mm-hmm. not a business for the faint of heart. Because people, mm. I think, on the surface think, 
oh, it's glamorous and you go to all these places. No, it, it's really it's it's really hard work behind the scenes and it can be very, very difficult. It's not a not typical nine to five, you know. Yeah, there's some days you might only work eight or 10 hours, but then there are those days could be 12, 15, 16 hours. I remember, you know, traveling, you know, before having kids and getting married, traveling all over the country, which is great. When you're young, you know, it's exciting, you know, jumping on a plane, mm. going here, there, everywhere. It's great. But as you get older, you realize that's a young man's game. That's a, young, <laughs> but some people still thrive on that. You know, there, there are folks that I've worked with who are well into their 40s and 50s who love the thrill. They loved it. And I mean, that's good. And I think, you know, for some people, they love they love the adrenaline rush, right? But then for some of us, your priorities change as you get older because it can mm. really, really take a lot out of you. Right, right. And so um, so there's the infrastructure, right? And obviously we have few players who are in this big time, right? Right. Um, so there's infrastructure. There's a lot of money that's going to get pumped in, yes. right? Uh, and obviously, you have any business will have to worry about their top line, bottom line, yeah. And most of it comes from you know viewership, advertisement. I, yeah, I'm I'm just guessing here, right? Um, more than the content, the content is a mechanism to get to the viewer, who then you know the base is then. I don't know the operating model, but I'm just guessing. Right. The yeah, content is the mechanism, right, to get to the people who then become the base yeah. to which you sell, you know, and then you make your top line, right? Um, exactly. And I think, you know what, you know, years ago, right, there were very limited uh, media outlets, right? You had ABC, CBS, NBC. Then mm. came along, you know, CNN uh, and a few other players, Fox. But now you're, you can consume media in so many different forms, you know, but, yeah. but you're right though. And it, the landscape has become so fragmented where there is a niche for every kind. You want liberal news, you want conservative news, you want faith-based news, you want, uh, you want political news, you want business news, you name it, it's available. But you're right mm -hmm. though. I think when news, a lot of these news divisions were created, news was a public service. But right. that idea has gone out the window a long time ago. News is a money-making business. Mm. And so, you know, so is news, listen, let, me, let me rephrase. Uh, my thought is, so how much of reporting what is happening is, is really the focus? I think it really depends on the organization. I think it depends on where you work. Like, for example, if you look at PBS and what they do, I think they really are journalists who report on the facts, the news, what's going on out there. I think network news, whether it's ABC, CBS, NBC, they report the news, but there's also entertainment. There's infotainment. I think, you know, for the American viewer, I think people love their their, they love their, their news. They want their politics. They love their celebrity news, right? I think you get a mix of all of that. But I think if you want serious, hardcore news, you've got to look beyond the networks. You've got to look at more specialty outlets. You've got to look at PBS. I think places like CBS, like 60 Minutes, is a venerable news magazine. 
They they do a very nice job. They've been, what, 40, 50 years they've been on the air. Uh, I think the public affair program, the Sunday news shows, the political shows do a good job. Meet the press, face the nation. I mean, it just depends on what you want, right? I think it's, mm. it, 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 what's your appetite, right? What is it that you're into in terms of news? And you can find it and you can customize it accordingly. See, I think, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you couldn't do so. But now, I mean, it's, what yeah. do you want? And you could, you could customize your news feeds. Exactly. I mean, uh, I have, you know, the, if you have a Apple phone or whatever, Google, Android, you can customize the content that's coming in. Exactly. You can choose basically what you want, right? And, and feed that. So, uh, you know, every, every channel obviously has some sort of values behind it. Right. right. Uh, and, and, maybe even leadership and agenda behind it. And these days we've, at least we've seen kind of the extremities, right? Um, left and right, extreme left, extreme right, whatever you want to call it and everything in between. Right. Um, well, uh, and because of the internet, it's so, <laughs> everybody has a voice. It seems that like you can just write up a blog or, you know, right. have a radio channel or, or some, some kind of, just like what we are having right now is like having a podcast. Which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's good. I think the one thing is that viewers or listeners or however you consume information, people love to share their opinion. And mm. and frankly, I think it's I think it's fascinating, right? When you do hear different points of view. Look, I think as viewers, as consumers of news, we have to be smart enough to know what's garbage and what has value, right? And so mm. I think. There, there's nothing wrong with that because I think, you know, whether it's on YouTube and you see all these opinions or whether you watch Fox or NBC or MS, whatever it is, I think, but I think there's a value to it. There, there right. really, there, there's a real, real value because I can even find myself sometimes flipping between the different news channels just to see the take people have on the same topic. And it's mm. sometimes it's comical. Sometimes it's like, mm. oh, I didn't think of that. That's an interesting point of view. Right. So synthesis is challenging, right? I mean, people, I don't know if any, everybody or maybe an average consumer of this information is able to synthesize like maybe you do. And, you know, sometimes I do because I read all of these other news and I want right. to figure out where the truth lies. Sometimes right. <laughs> you get all these angles. So uh, I, I don't know if people are, you know, have that energy and that, you know, drive to do that. I, I don't know what your yeah. experience. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's a valid point. I think sometimes it's information overload. Mm. And I think we get lazy, right? Like, for example, if if I only want to see things from the, the, the right or conservative, to me, Fox is the gospel truth. Or if, <laughs> if it's the extreme left, it could be MSNBC. Or But if I want something in the middle, you know, maybe I'll look at PBS, NewsHour. Or I'll look at the Wall Street Journal. or It just depends. But I think sometimes people do get lazy. They get into kind of like a routine and like that that's their source of information. But I, I really do think for the average person, I really do think you need to look at different news outlets because mm. I think you have to you have to get a 360 on the news. You can't just look at the news with like blinders on and, you know, this is it. This is the only place. I think you really do have to, I think it never hurts to read 
opinion col- columns, you know, like you'll see in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or the Atlantic or wherever they might be. Because I think some of these guys have really valid points. I think you really yeah. can learn something. I think mm-hmm. also it's good to consume foreign news, whether it's the BBC or whether it's other English language channels like maybe Al Jazeera in English or or uh, in Easter, you know, whatever the case might be. But I think yeah. it doesn't hurt to, and, and it's funny, us, you know, being of Indian origin, I find that Indian news channels really kind of, you know, act like they're Western news channels. You've got like <laughs> the 10 pundits on the screen and right. people are yelling at each other. It's, like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, it's amazing how they model their news networks after Western news networks. Right, right. True, true. And it's mayhem, actually, in India. It really is. Yeah. It's... yeah. I I kind of, personally, I, I do reading uh, so I can cut out the noise. And, you right. know, I, I listen to podcasts, which then, you know, it engages me rather than get all get all the interpretation right of the intent of the news it's really not reporting but it's really and you know you you are expounding about what you're hearing correct and making you formulate an opinion it's it's almost an opinion it's really not you know kind of reporting right true true right? no it's uh, look i think there are reporters i think that i think a lot of journalists out there do their best to remain neutral, to be unbiased. But I think, again, it's the bias exists on both sides, right? The viewer has it, the reader has it. Like, for example, if there's a particular journalist, whether they're print or broadcast, if you don't like them, they can be reporting the best thing. But if you have a distaste for that individual, you're going to think they're the devil. You're Mm. like, oh, they're distorting the information. They're distorting but that might not be the case, but it's you're seeing it through your bias, right? Mm. Or how you view that person personally. So it, it's, yeah. it's, it really varies from person to person. It, it re- and I think there's a generational shift now, right? I think you look at college students, people in their 20s and 30s, they consume news much differently than we do, than our mm. parents did. So it's you definitely see that generational shift as well. For my own son, he gets a lot of his information. They love watching their late night hosts. You know, people like Trevor Noah have a huge impact on this generation and how news is uh, how news is consumed. Mm. And so it's fascinating, right? So everybody is having a take on it, right? Some have comical takes, some have, you know, right. all the way to just reporting the news and everything in between. It's fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is and, it is. And I and I think again. I think someone like Trevor Noah, he deserves a space. Someone like Hassan Minaj and when he did Patriot yeah. Act, that was a great, that's a great show. That, yeah. Because that's how 20 high school students and 20-somethings, that's how they got their information. And they love the way these guys present it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the show hosts play a huge role. Personality drives it. Mm. Per, if if you don't click with the viewer, people are going to just change because people have choices. People have options, right? There's no longer three channels or five channels. There's 300 channels. Four, I mean, it's like not to mention the dozens and dozens of podcasts 
the number of online. So I don't have to sit and watch any of the news networks you tell me. I can just go online and customize my news. Mm. You know, I can find someone who's in a line with my values, my value system. Yeah. It's fascinating. Which is good and bad, which is could be exactly. dangerous because if you align yourself with someone who's spewing misinformation, that could really take you down a dangerous road. Right, right. But you, you, you know, I've seen that people just swear by either the channel or the person. Of course. Uh, you know, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you worked a lot. So what were the divisions that you kind of worked in? I, you know, in the, in the overarching news. Um, so I spent, you know, once I, I, I spent a few years at ABC, then I went to NBC. I spent quite a number of years at a program called Dateline. It was a news magazine show. Uh, they do a lot of murder mysteries now. Then eventually I moved over into the production management side of the business, uh, logistics and all. So, so I have both uh, editorial as well as uh, production experience. So right. it, was, uh, it was good. It was good because I think it taught me a lot of project management skills. But I think working in news, in network news, the job is the job, whether regardless of whatever network you work for, what the challenge always is, is managing the egos. You're <laughs> dealing with, you know, you're dealing with people with strong ego, egos, fragile egos. You're dealing sometimes with hot tempered people. You're dealing with people who are laid back. So really, you never know who you're going to get when you answer the phone some days. You really mm. don't. Mm. And so uh, can you explain a little more about the, 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 what the work actually, what you did? So, so you know what, when you work on the editorial side, if you say work as an assistant producer, associate producer, your role is to assist the producer and editor in collecting various elements, whether it's research, uh, pitching stories, doing phone interviews, looking for characters. So you're helping them uh, gather the elements or the mm. materials needed for that final uh, story before it goes to air. And the thing in broadcast news, it's very collaborative. You've got the researchers, the production assistants, the associate producers, the producers. You have the correspondent, the camera crews, the graphic artists. You have, uh, before a story can go to air, it has to be seen by legals and standards, uh, video that you're using. Do we have the right to certain footage and pictures? So it's very, very collaborative because for most people, when they turn on TV, oh, hey, there's that two-minute story, that 10-minute story, but they don't realize how many people it took to get that on the air. You've got the wow. editor. So there's so many. It, it's very collaborative. It's very team-oriented. Everyone's got a specific role, and you've got to do that role. You've got to do that job. Mm, mm, yeah, pretty much. And it's fast-paced, I presume, right? Yes, it is. It is. Some things, you know, they turn around because, you know, when people see breaking news, I mean, things are happening. You know, they're reporting stuff as it's happening. Yes, yeah, sometimes you have a little bit of lead time, maybe a day, a few days, a week, maybe a few months for a project, but it really varies from project to project. Right, because news can pretty quickly get stale, right? <laughs> it's yes. a product that doesn't sit on the stands you know, long, right? No, because you it doesn't. Move, you're moving from story to story, or unless you have like a story that you really want to follow for a period of time, right? 
you know, they have a phrase in the business, there's a term called evergreens, like a tree, mm-hmm. evergreen. They say, like, sometimes people will produce evergreen stories. They don't have a specific air date. They'll put it on the shelf. It'll be done. They'll put it on the shelf. And when they see appropriate time, they'll run it. Maybe do a few little updates or whatever, but that's about it. And another fascinating thing that people don't realize is that also a lot of these news networks have obituaries that are usually ready to go, especially of famous people as they're getting older. They do have like, yeah, yeah, for presidents, heads of state, uh, noted select. They do. So that's why people like, how did they get that story so quickly on whoever passed away? Well, they had that ready to go because sometimes, yeah, yeah, they'll do that. Or they'll have elements or sections of certain things ready to go when they have word that like such and such is on their deathbed or someone is very gravely ill. They'll start making those preparations. Wow. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Uh, No, no, it's true. That's something like, you know, they do that with all the presidents, especially like with, you know, like someone like a Jimmy Carter, who they thought many times... But you know what? The man is still. But I guarantee <laughs> you us, that every news network has a Jimmy Carter obituary ready to go. Mm, the minute they the, get. Yeah. The, 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 what's that? Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth's husband, right? Exactly. I can guarantee that the BBC, ITV, all those British networks mm. have a Prince Philip obituary ready to go. They probably have a Queen obituary mm. ready to go you know wow wow so it's wow. like anything like that they they have these things in the wings hmm. so if you if you recollect you know what happened in these years 25 26 years what's the most without details but if you want to share details it's great but what's the most interesting story that you worked on i was like wow oh that's i got to tell you <laughs> hands down over about 20 it's 19 yeah it was 1997 went to the canadian arctic we did a story on polar bears oh <laughs> went to went to wow. manitoba churchill manitoba the church the polar bear capital of north america it's wow. much different now but i remember we were a team we were like two camera crews the correspondent the producer myself we all slept we slept at this research facility in manitoba it was fascinating, Don. I mean, just to be out there in the Canadian Arctic, you see, and it was also, there were a lot of tourists from all over the world, but to see these polar bears in their natural environment, you know, it was, it was fascinating. It really, really was, was mm. something, you know, it was like zero. I, it, it was really funny. I remember one night we were coming back, going back to the research and I was driving this big van. All of a sudden, a silver fox just jumps out in front of the van and is like, right. And it, and I don't want, because the roads are ice covered. If oh, you yeah, go yeah. off the road, it's like a, you're going to hit a snow embankment. But the silver fox is just like running right in front of me. I'm trying not to hit it at the same time, not go off the road. It was, it was, and I also remember they had a sign at the research facility. It says, look to your left, look to your right and look up for polar bears. Because sometimes they can even wind up on the roof. Oh, so they're like, you have to be very aware. Once you step out of the facility, polar bears could be walking around. (laughs) You you can't even see them. They're white, just like the snow, right? That's the thing. That's the thing. But at night, 
they could be lurking around. They could be looking for food or something like that. But yeah, it's, but it was fascinating. It was truly, okay. truly, that was good. And then, you know, there have been a lot of like, you know, court cases that I covered, but the polar bear thing was hands down, probably the best. That was, that was an amazing experience. That's an amazing awesome. experience. Any story that you can remember that, um, that made you really sad? Oh, you know, it's what's interesting is when you see the the American legal system up close uh, mm. in covering like murder trials, people think, oh, it's this, that. But there are real people involved, right? It's to the outside world, it's salacious and it? it's juicy. But I got to tell you, there, when you're in a courtroom, and I've been in on a number of occasions, and the jury or the judge reads the guilty verdict, those deputies come up right behind the defendant and they put those handcuffs right on the defendant and they walk them right out. And you think, wow, that was, it's eye-opening because you got to mm. think people made poor life decisions to wind up in that situation where now mm. they are in prison for the rest of their life. And it impacts, it's really something to see. And also the fallout, the families, the victims, the, the 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 families of the perpetrator the families of the the it's people don't realize it really has a, a wide ranging impact and I think when you when you see these things up close it it, it affects you it, it mm. really really does affect but at the same time you have a job to do right there's you have a job to do and you can't I remember a number of years ago I was covering something in Toledo Ohio and this particular guy, he was, he was, he was a bad dude. And his, one of his ex-wives had just testified. And so I wanted to go speak to her. She looked at me and she grabbed me and gave me hugs. Like, where have you been? We've been wanting to, I was so shocked. I was so shocked that this woman reached out to me like that, but people have different reactions, you know, because she was so relieved that what this guy had done, He's going to pay the price. Justice is going to be served. And she wanted to tell her story. Some people, it takes time. It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because when people let you into their home, when something like this happens or just on anything, it's, they're trusting you. They're trusting you wow. to tell the truth, to tell their story accurately, right? And that's why sometimes you hear, oh, they didn't get that story right. Or they, it's, you know, it, it, it's fascinating going into people's homes and talking it, it's 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 really eye-opening it's humbling as well don it's really mm. it when people let you into their homes because look as human beings right we're going to be guarded we don't want to share intimate details or something catastrophic that happened share it with the world but sometimes people are willing to do that on the basis that they hope that others don't have to go through that mm. Mm. you know it's, the, the... It, it's fascinating it's fascinating, fascinating to kind of hear that, hear kind of the reaction of people. And, yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned truth, right? Um, how much of that in your experience, you see really people pursuing truth? I think, you know what, you see it all the time. I think from the standpoint of a journalist or those of us who worked in the business is that truth is important because your credibility and truth are linked right? If you're a liar, no one's going to trust you. No one's going to believe you. But if you tell the story accurately, 
people will believe you. I'll tell you a funny story. Again, this one was years <laughs> ago. This was a weird story that happened in Maine. This was at a church, no less. <laughs> there was some animosity in the church. Someone had poisoned the coffee. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is in small town Maine. This is in small oh, town wow. Maine. Someone had po- And one or two members died. And a whole bunch what? of them got hospitalized. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This was, it was a bizarre case. It was a bizarre, this happened at church, at church. So what happened was <laughs> I was sent up, right, to cold cover and say, is there a story there? And I remember I was in a room uh, with, I, we had a, I had a booker with me, another colleague was there. So all the people were in the room, those who were hospitalized, they were there with their families. I told them who I was. I think there must've been maybe two dozen people in the room. And I told them, who I was, who we're representing. We wanted to tell your story. We wanted to speak to the survivors. I said, don't identify yourself. But they asked me questions. They asked me, what are you planning to do? This, that, what's your... And a whole bunch of them, all the survivors agreed to talk to us. And so we mm-hmm. ended up doing a story with them and all that stuff. We brought in camera crews. Our correspondent came up. But it was so bizarre because you're talking to a room full of people who you don't know. You don't know, you kind of know who the victims are because they're in their bed, uh, the hospital gowns, this, that. But the family members are really looking at you. They're like, look, they're looking right through you, right? Because my family member almost died. It was, it was a very strange story in like small town America, right? And oh. this finger <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a really, but wow. it's like, it really gives you sort of a, a look into the human like psyche and condition Mm. that was i gotta say i always that was the part of uh working in tv especially when i was on the editorial side of going out there and meeting people you know it's people are fascinating people Mm. you know and it doesn't matter the skin color just people Mm. are fascinating because everyone's got a story everyone Mm. has a story out there (laughs) you know i think in this current landscape, I think people still want to be heard, but it just depends on where you go, though. I think mm. now it's a little more charged. At least when mm. I was out there, it was less charged. You know, people were, you know, but mm. but who knows? I think there's still pockets and there's still a lot of places out there people want to talk. You know, right. it's all in how right. you approach them. And it's also you have to seek the truth. Your mm. truth and your credibility are linked. Mm. Mm. It's You can't it, have it's one a- without the other. Mm. I mean, you answered one of the questions I had. Have you worked in a weird story? So here yeah. it is. <laughs> that, that's a weird, I know. I know there are more. I know there are definitely more, but it's like they just don't come to mind. But yeah, it's it's that's funny. Okay. The people. You, I mean, I remember, you know, O.J. Simpson, his civil trial, chasing one of the jurors through a parking garage. I remember oh, wow. like, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Oh, there was before O.J., about a year or two, there were. I don't know if you ever heard of the Menendez brothers. They were. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the Menendez brothers, they were, grew up in Beverly Hills. They would actually be our age. I think actually closer to my age, like 49, 50. Mm. They were 16 and 17 at the time. Their parents were horrific murder in Beverly Hills. Their father was a top Hollywood executive. It came to find out the father was abusing them, but they killed them. And even covering that trial, just, it was so weird being in the courtroom and seeing the Menendez brothers and the guilty verdict and the jurors afterwards, it's just like you seeing this stuff. It's just like, because 
being there and watching it on TV are two different experiences. Mm. Two different experiences. Mm. So, and even yeah. I remember years ago the Versace murder when uh, we wound up in Miami Beach and you know we were out there where they Andrew Cunanan was. So again, like you see some of these weird tabloid <laughs> stories. It's it it's weird. It's weird yeah. and it's funny, but it's like it it's, real. You, it's real. It's real. Crazy, right? Crazy. You got to look into the human condition. It's it is. It's crazy. But things have evolved. Things have changed, but they haven't changed. People right. still love their celebrity news. They still love it. Still love it. <laughs> no, when we when we talk about you know the, the the big theological concepts of depravity of man, right? Right. You, you've probably seen some stuff that, or, or you know, kind of worked on some news that in some sense can vouch for yes. what we what, what we claim to be a a you know ideology or theology right you you probably seen that kind of play out in stories definitely 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 you see it play out in stories and you also see it play out even in your places of work you know it's it's a tough environment and i think you know, you have to have a thick skin if you want to work, whether you want to work in local news or national news, or you want to be a documentary filmmaker, creating and bringing images to life, telling stories is a tough business. Wow. You know, yeah, on, yeah. On, on, from every angle, <laughs> from every angle, you know. I was saying that, you know, kids channels seem like everything is kid see but there's the serious people behind the kids there really is they're everywhere everywhere right i think you know and with networks everything evolves and you know they know what their audience is like right they know what their audience is because what an audience responds to on friday evenings at eight o'clock is different to what audiences respond to on monday nights at eight o'clock the viewing taste the viewing tastes are not the same, right? Certain networks, their day parts or their evening or their prime time is stronger on certain days than it is. On. So they know every, there's a science behind it. They know the numbers. They they watch all that stuff. It's uh, there are agencies that do that kind of collection of information to provide exactly. back, right? There is a lot of Correct. science, as you said, I mean, right? Exactly. You have Nielsen, but then also the networks themselves, all whether it's cable or broadcast. They also have people in-house who study these numbers. Mm. Because mm. remember, the numbers also, that also you've got to involve sales and marketing because that's how you've got to sell the particular ads, right? Whether you're, when you watch ESPN, right? When you're watching sports, all you see everything is alcohol and trucks and car because it's a male audience, right? But mm. then when you're watching say uh, a today show or good morning america a lot of the commercials are more female centered you know pharma and exercise and healthy living so they know what their <laughs> audiences are mm, mm. you you don't see a commercial for a ford f-150 in the morning hours but you'll <laughs> see that ad running constantly at night that has a male audience right 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 oh that's a there's a big data science Aspect, absolutely right uh, around absolutely it. 
Thank you, friends, for joining us for that podcast brought to you by Share the Well. It truly is an honor for me to meet some of my friends like this to talk about issues that matter to them, that matter to us overall. And our endeavor at Share the Well is to bring these content raw. We don't have any editing, by the way, in terms of the podcast that we bring because we want to bring authenticity. We don't want to uh, curtail and, and shape the story or the narrative, but to be truthful and to bring to you content that is relevant and content that will energize you, content that will motivate you. It's been a pleasure to do that. You can engage with us in many different ways. One of the ways would be to visit our website, which you should have in the notes section of our of the platform that you stream your podcast. It's uh, for your benefit. I can repeat it here. It's called sharethewell.community. Uh, or you can uh, leave us a comment in the platform that you use to stream your podcast. We can pick up those comments. If there's any topics that make sense to you and that you want discussed, you know, we can always attempt to get those topics on. So I want to thank you again. I appreciate you guys listening in and um, God bless you and have a wonderful weekend.